Welcome to Bookmarked, where you can take a pause and dive into the wide world of literature. This episode may contain spoilers, so listen at your own risk. The views expressed are the views of the participants and not shared by the Benton School District. My name's Becca, and today we're going to be reading Firekeeper's Daughter. So just a little disclaimer, I may mess up on some of these words because they are a little bit odd, but I hope you all enjoy. So chapter one, I start my day before sunrise throwing on running clothes, and laying a pinch of sema at the eastern base of the tree where sunlight will touch the tobacco first. Prayers begin with offering sema and sharing my spirit name, clan, and where I'm from. I always add an extra name to make sure the creator knows who I am, a name that connects me to my father, because I began as a secret and then a scandal. I give thanks to creator and ask for Zun Giginwin because I need courage for what I have to do after my five-mile run. I put it off for a week. The sky lightens as I stretch into the driveway. My brother complains about my lengthy warm-up routine whenever he runs with me. I keep telling Levi that my longer, bigger, and therefore vastly superior muscles require more intensive preparation for peak performance. The real reason, which he would think is dorky, is that I recite my correct an anatomical name for each muscle as I stretch. Not just the superficial muscles, but the deep ones too. I want the edge over the other college freshmen in human anatomy class as well. By the time I finish my warm-up in anatomy review, the sun peaks through the trees. One ray of light shines on the SEMA offering. Nishin, it is good. My first mile is always the hardest. Part of me wants to be in bed with my cat, Harry, who purrs are the opposite of an alarm clock. But if I power through, my breathing will find its rhythm. Accompanied by the swish of my heavy ponytail, my legs and arms will operate on autopilot. That's when my mind will wander into the zone, where I'm part of this world, but also somewhere else. The miles pass in semi-alert haze. My route takes me through campus. The prettiest view is Salt Say Marie, Michigan is on the other side. I blow a kiss as I run past Lake State's newest dorm, Fountain Hall, named after my grandfather on my mother's side. My grandmother Mary, I called her Grand Mary, insisted I wear a dress to the dedication ceremony last summer. I was tempted to scowl in the photos, but knew my defiance would hurt my mom more than it would tick off my Grand Mary. I cut through the parking lot behind the students' union toward the north end of the campus. The bluff showcases a gorgeous panoramic view of St. Mary's River, the international bridge into Canada. The city of Salt Salt St. Marie Antonio nestled in the bend of the river east of the town is my favorite place in the universe. Sugar Island. The rising sun hides behind a low, dark cloud at the horizon beyond the island. I halt in place, awestruck. Shafts of light fan out from the cloud as if Sugar Island is the source of the sun rays. A cool breeze ruffles my t-shirt, giving me goosebumps in mid-August. Zabaka Mising, I whisper in... Amishka be Rowan, the name for the island, which my father taught me when I was little. It sounds like a prayer. My father's family, the Firekeeper's side, is much a part of Sugar Island 
as its spring-fed streams and sugar maple trees. When the clouds move on and the sun reclaims her rays, a gust of wind propels me forward, back to my run into the task ahead. Forty-five minutes later, I run. I end my run at Evercare, a long-term care facility a few blocks from home. Today's run felt backwards, peaking in the first mile and becoming progressively more difficult. I tried chasing the zone, but it was a mirage just behind my reach. Morning, Doris, Miss Bonzera, the head nurse says from behind the front desk. Mary had a good night. Your mom's already here. Still catching my breath, I give my usual morning wave. The hallway seems to lengthen with every step. I steal myself for the possible responses to my announcement. If in my imagined scenarios, a single furrowed brow conveys disappointment, annoyance, and the retracting of previous codelates. Maybe I should wait until tomorrow to announce my decision. Miss B didn't need to say anything. The heavy scent of roses in the hallway announces mom's presence. When I enter the private room, she gently massaging rose-scented oil on grandmother's thin arms. A fresh bouquet of yellow roses add to the floral saturation level. Grand Mary's been at Evercare for six weeks now, the month before that in the hospital. She had a cr- stroke at my high school graduation party. Visiting every morning is part of the new normal, which is what I call what happens when your universe is shaken so badly you can never regain the same axis as before, but you could try anyway. My grandmother's eyes connect with mine. Her brow raises in recognition. Her right side is unable to convey anything. Bon Martin, Grand Mary. I kiss both cheeks before stepping back for her inspection. In the before, her scrutiny of my fashion choices bugged the crap out of me, but now her one-sided scowl of my oversized t-shirt feels like a perfect slap shot to the top shelf. See? I playfully lift the hem to my yellow spandex shorts, not half naked. Halfway through her barely perceptible eye roll, Grand Mary's gaze turns vacant. It's like a light bulb behind her eyes that someone switches on and off rarely. Give her a moment, Mom says, continuing to smooth lotion onto Grand Mary's arms. I nod and take in Grand Mary's room. The large picture window with a view of a nearby playground. The dry erase board with the reading, Hello, my name is Mary F- Fountain. And a line for someone in to fill in after my nurse. The line after my goals is blank. The vase of roses surrounded by framed photographs. Grand Mary and Grandpa Lorenzo on their wedding day. A duo frame with Mom and Uncle David as praying angels in the first communion outfits. My senior picture fills a silver frame engraved with class 2004. The last picture taken of the four of us fountains me, mom, uncle David, and grand Mary at my final hockey game brings us a walnut-sized lump to my throat. I went to sleep many nights listening to mom and her brother laughing, playing cards, and talking in the language that they had invented as children, a hybrid of French, Italian, and abbreviated English made up nonsensical words, but that was before Uncle David died in April and Grand Mary, grief-stricken, had an intercerebral hemorrhagic stroke two months later.
My grandmother doesn't laugh in the new normal. She looks up. Her jade green eyes are tired and bloodshot. Instead of sleeping last night, Mom cleaned the house in a frenzy while talking to Uncle as if they were sitting on the sofa watching her dust and mop. She does this often. I wake up during those darkest hours. When my mother confesses her loneliness and regrets to him, unaware that I am fluent in their secret language. While I send my... While I wait for my grandmother to return to herself, I retrieve a lipstick from the basket at the bedside table. Grand Mary believes in greeting the day with a perfect red smile. Gliding the matte ruby over her thin lips, I remember my earlier plea of courage. To know Zun wide win is to face her fears with strong heart. My hand twitches. The golden tube of lipstick, a wiggling needle on a seismograph. Mom finishes with the lotion and kisses Grand Mary's forehead. I've been on the receiving end of those kisses so often that an echo of one warms my own forehead. I hope Grand Mary can feel that good medicine even when the light bulb is off. When my grandmother was in the hospital, I kept track of how many times she blinked during the same 15-minute window each day. My mom didn't, mom didn't mind my record-keeping until she noticed the separate tally marks for light bulb on and light bulb off. The overall number of blinks hadn't changed, but the percentage of alert ones light bulb on divided by total blinks has begun to decrease. My mother got so upset when she saw my tally that I keep the blink notebook hidden in Grand Mary's private room now, bringing it out only when mom isn't here. It happens. Grand Mary blinks and her eyes brighten, light bulb on. Just like that, her focus sharpens and she's once again a mighty force of nature. The fountain mon- matriarch. A mighty force of nature, the mountain fa- matriarch. Grand Mary, I say quickly, I'm deferring my admission to U of M and registering for classes at Lake State. Just for freshman year, I hold my breath, anticipating her disappointment in my deviation of the plan. Donis Larisa Fountain, M.D. At first, I went along with it, hoping to make her proud. I grew up overhearing people whisper with a sort of vicious glee about the big scandal of Mary and Lorenzo Fountain's perfect life. I pretend so well, and for a long time that her plan became my plan, our plan. I loved that plan, but that was in the before. Grand Mary fixes me with a gaze as tender as mother's kisses. Something passes between my grandmother and me. She understands why I had to alter our plan. My nose tingles with pre-cry pinpricks with relief, sadness, or both. Maybe there's a world and Annie Shimibi Owen <laughs> for when you find solid footing in the rumble after a tragedy. Mom rushes around the bed, pulling me into an embrace that swooshes the air from my lungs. Her joyful sobs vibrate through me. I made my mother happy. I knew I would, and I didn't expect to feel such relief myself. She's been pushing for me not to go away to college, even encouraging Levi to pester me about it. Mom pleaded with me to fill out the Lake State admissions form back in January as a birthday gift to her. I agreed, thinking there was no way anything would come to pass. Turns out there was a way. A bird thuds against the window. My mother startles, releases me from her grip. I only get three steps towards the window when the bird rises, fluttering to regain equilibrium before resuming its journey. 
Grandma Pearl, my Amisha B. Nicomius, on my firekeeper's side, considered a flying bird into a window a bad sign. She would rush outside, one leathered brown hand on her mouth, muttering, uh, uh, oh. At this crooked neck before calling her sisters to figure out which tragedy was just around the corner. But Grand Mary would say it was random and unfortunate. Nothing more than unintended consequence of a clean window. Indian superstitions are not facts. Donis. My Zaka Nash and, and Abishabi grandmothers could not have been more different. One viewed the world as its surface, while the others connected connections and teachings that run deeper to our known world. Their push and pull on me has been tug of war my entire life. When I was seven, I spent a weekend at Grandma Pearl's tar paper house on Sugar Island. I woke up crying with a earache, but the ferry to the mainland had shut down for the night. She had me pee in a cup and poured it into my ear as I was rested my hand in her lap. Back home for Sunday dinner at Grand Mary's and Grandpa Lorenzo's, I excitedly shared my smart how smart my grandmother was. Grandma Pearl fixed my earache with my pee. Grand Mary recoiled and a heartbeat later glanced at my, my mother as if it was her fault. Something split inside me when I saw my mother's embarrassment. I learned there were times when I was expected to be a fountain and other times when I was ex- safe to be a firekeeper. Mom returns to Grand Mary, moving the cashmere blanket aside to massage lotion on a spindly alabaster leg. She's exhausting herself looking after my grandmother. Mom is convinced she will recover. My mother has never been good at accepting unpleasant truths. A week ago, I woke up during one of Mom's cleaning frenzies. I've lost so much, David, and now her, when Doss leaves, jib. Botry. She used the French word for disappear, to fade or fa- pass away. Eighteen years ago, my arrival changed my mother's world, ruined the life her parents had preordained for her. I am all that she has left in the world. Grandma Pearl always told me bad things happen in threes. Uncle Dave died in April. Grandma Mary had a stroke in June. If I stay hope, I can stop the third bad thing from happening, even if it means waiting a little longer to follow the plan. I should go. I kissed mom and then grand Mary goodbye. As soon as I leave the facility, I break into a run. I usually walk the few blocks home as a cool down, but today I sprint until I reach my driveway. Gasping, I collapse underneath my prayer tree, waiting, waiting for the normal part of the new normal to begin. This has been Bookmark. Thanks for listening and catch you next week. Music is by Fezlion Studios. Thank you.
on Switch.